Hello, lovely listeners. Welcome to another episode of The Link Platform. The Link Platform is dedicated towards international students' well-being. And to achieve this, we have the podcast, we have the counseling and therapy services, and we have our blog. Today on the Link Platform podcast, we have William Budu, and William Budu will be sharing his story with us, and I'll give him the chance to introduce himself. But before we proceed, don't forget to follow us on our social media pages. It is the Link Platform on Facebook and on Instagram. Hello, William. Hello, McAfee. Nice to hear your voice, and um, it's lovely to be here on this platform. I'm very honored to be here to be able to share my experience with everyone. Um, I'll just introduce myself quickly, right? So my name is William Boudou. Um, I'm currently living in Vancouver, Canada. Uh, Vancouver is in the west coast of Canada. Um, and, and I work as an accountant uh, in a pensions company called IWA Pensions and LTD Plans. Um, I've, I've been in Vancouver for about two and a half years. I came here uh, in 2018 and it was school that brought me here. Um, I came here to do my MBA. And I mean, basically my story of, of, of choosing the MBA and all that is um, an interesting one because I um, I never thought I would ever come to Canada. I mean, I don't know about you, but um, a lot of us growing up hardly hear about Canada. We know of it's the UK, US, everyone makes noise about UK and US. And we, that's basically what we have ingrained in our minds. And that's all we think about when we think of going outside to pursue our studies. And so um, I never thought of coming to Canada, but um, in 2017, while I was doing my national servicing, I was thinking of what to do about school. My parents started uh, pitching the idea of Canada, talking about life after school, talking about how immigration was good, how it's easy to stay, and how the UK and some other countries are pretty tough in terms of um, staying after school, getting work, and stuff like that. And so um, they actually managed to convince me. Uh, I I was sold, and so I just decided to um, do some research into schools, and I looked up schools and basically my um, search now was narrowed down and then I finally decided on um, pursuing my education in Simon Fraser University, also in Vancouver, to do my MBA. Um, and the funny thing is, I should have gone to school in 2017 right after my national service, but I was advised to stay for an extra year to work. Um, which ended up being to my advantage because I had more work experience for my MBA and then it also helped me in acquiring a job right after. And um, God being so good, um, on my first application, I didn't have so much of a scholarship, but then when I deferred my application to 2018, I had a much more substantial scholarship. So it all worked out for my good. And so, yeah, it's been an interesting journey for me. And um, I must say life in Canada has been pretty good so far. Okay. Thank you for that. <laughs> for the summary of the journey. But definitely we have to dwell more into it. For sure. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, and also thank you for accepting to be on our platform. Definitely. I, I'm so grateful for that. So let's begin yeah. with how was your international, the, the application process for school? How did it go? Yeah. How did you start yeah. about mm-hmm. that? Yeah. So 
I must say, um, it was a bit, it was a bit tedious. Um, and even while here, I realized that um, a lot of people, which I found upon a little bit, a lot of people rely on external help to help them when they are applying for schools. But I, I believe that um, you need to yourself dig deep, figure out what you want, and basically search upon the criteria that. Sh- you feel that would be good, that would help you, right? So basically when I was searching, I knew at the course I wanted to do, I knew I wanted to do a master's in business administration because of my love for business, because my undergrad was also in um, business. And so I knew what I wanted to do. So that wasn't really much of a hassle. But what really was, was the school I would go to. Canada is a huge country. I mean, and it could have been in any province, in any city, um, or anywhere at all. So basically, um, I narrowed down my search by uh, putting down certain criteria, like um, the rankings of the schools. I made sure that the schools that I was applying to were all within about the top 30 um, ranked schools in Canada because I believe that the reputation of the school you go to also um, counts when you're looking for jobs and for life after. I looked at tuition fees, um, looked at those that offered relatively low tuition as compared to the others, and also good opportunities for scholarships. And the last thing I looked for, honestly, was for the length of the program. Um, I wanted to do a one-year MBA because, trust me, I really don't like school like that. So <laughs> I, <laughs> I wanted to do a one-year program instead of a two-year program because I, I really couldn't think of doing a two-year program. And so I went for the one-year program, um, which was interesting because um, whereas people get a summer break, it was condensed three times in one year. And I must say it was a very um, good experience. But yeah, basically, that's what it was about. I just had the idea of Canada and then narrowed it down based on um, certain criteria. And that's how I landed upon as Simon Fraser University. And of course, there was the regular um, essays that I had to write, personal statements, um, getting documents together. I must say it was a rigorous journey. Um, um, writing GMAT and all of that. And I, I must say the process took about six months altogether. Of course, applying for visa and all of that. It's, it's, it's a whole process altogether. And, and and I think I'd advise anyone who is wishing to pursue their um, education elsewhere to give themselves adequate time, at least a full year, to really assess the decision that they are taking because it's a huge investment um, and it's a huge step in your life. And I believe it's something that must be considered carefully. Thank That's you. And um, just because you mentioned personal statement, let me put mm-hmm. you on the spot. What are the three yeah. most important things that you need to pay attention to when writing your personal statement? Um, almost as the name implies, make sure it's personal. <laughs> I don't know how to describe that, but yeah, people. I realize that people tend to come up with generic statements and they go look up something online, copy and paste, and then change their weddings. And no, it's, it's, it's really not going to cut it. A big reason why I got the scholarship was because of my personal statements. So let them know, talk about your life story. Let them know like who you are. Let them know what difference uh, differentiates you from the next person. Because trust me, there are people there who have the grades, people have first classes, uh, people there who, to be honest, had way higher GMAT scores than I did. People had almost perfect scores. But they want to know what makes you different, 
what should why they should give you the application over someone who probably had higher grades or something like that. So I'll say first of all, you have to make sure that it's personal or you differentiate yourself from someone else, from the others. Um, second, um, definitely watch out for diction and, and typos and stuff like that. They, they, they speak, they speak very, it has a very good, um, it creates a very bad impression if you make a lot of typos and make a lot of mistakes and it's a real red flag if you have those. So just make sure you go through over and over again. There's spell check, there's Grammarly, an, an app that you can use to check those things. You can pass it over to a friend to um, reread and all of that. And then uh, lastly, I'd say um, expression. Expression is also important. Um, similar to the first point that I made, make it don't make it generic, make it something that you'd express yourself, make it lively and make it a, an enjoyable story to read. Because yeah, there are many personal statements that um, uh, they would be reading, but if your, especially your opening statements and your closing statements are good, trust me, though the person will be intrigued to read um, the story. Yeah, but if you don't have a good introduction, um, it's the, the probably you'll just become a for the person and you probably wouldn't give you much attention and then just put your personal statements aside so yeah like i said three things um differentiate yourself uh, make it personal the second one was about um grammar and uh, spell check and typos and then the last one was basically about expression, expression. and making it interesting yeah a summary of it basically to our listeners make it an enjoyable piece that somebody will mm-hmm. you know want to read and get to know you you and be intrigued and interested about who this person is yeah so that's a very very good point thank you for that so now you've arrived you've gone through all the process you've arrived in canada you've arrived in school how um or let's just talk about the educational um differences because you mentioned that you had your first degree in ghana and you did business administration and your master's was basically a continuation of what you did what were some of the differences and what surprised you or did not surprise you in the educational system so i must say that yes the the difference was vast like huge like i i had i'd heard i'd been given a hint of how the educational system might be different, but trust me, you, you wouldn't be able to fully grasp it until you personally experience it, right? So, um, first off, in terms of the education, educational system, I must say that, first off, um, what we, a lot of us know of um, what the educational system back in Ghana specifically, for instance, is, is um, a lot of um, regurgitation of, of knowledge, uh, a lot of chew and pour, as they call it, a lot of minimizing the theory. And uh, like, I'll take you back to University of Ghana, like a typical legal student would come to school, probably skip the first two, three weeks of class, and then throughout the whole semester, probably be playing FIFA, playing video games, just hanging around, wait until mid-term, when it's mid-term time, then they study for about two weeks, rush, get some some notes here and there, study, pass the mid-term, whatever, and then go back to regular, um, like, lax life, not really studying, and then study for the exam then pass. So now, well, there's a disadvantage of this. Basically, you have that knowledge there, and it's it's something that you can easily forget. You're hardly able to apply it, and we end up getting students who are hardly prepared for 
um, the work world ahead of us, right? So that was a big thing that for me that I found that educational system here is way more practical application. And for instance, the classes that I had, they're not exam focused. Um, like I had very few exams, the test team there, yeah. but it wouldn't be like midterm final exam at the end for every single, you do more of projects, you do more of class participation. And trust me, most of my classes had at least 30% for class participation. Mm-hmm. And it's not like elsewhere where it's just on paper, it actually counts, right? So people are actually graded for the, the professors, actually look at your contributions in class, not just raising your hand and seeing anything, but coming up with answers that are practical, that shows that you are being analytical, that shows that you, you, you came up with a well-thought through answer, right? And so um, that was one big thing for me, just basically coming up with more applied um, 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 analysis in, in education, right? So that was one huge thing. Uh, another thing was basically because of the fact that uh, educational system was more focused on theory, like there was a huge difference in the things that I knew, right? Um, a lot of those things that I knew from uh, back in school were regarded as almost basic stuff that everyone should have known. And there was just this huge gap where I had to catch up on certain concepts and stuff like that. And I would attribute that to the fact that we are focusing so much on memorizing stuff that we're not able to cover much, right? You spend two weeks studying a particular course because you're memorizing a formula and it will take you over and over to memorize it instead of actually learning how you can apply that. And I feel that that, that, that kind of education makes it makes you able makes you able to cover a lot more than yeah. just yeah having to learn my stuff so i think those are the huge things for me and then the last thing was about um i think speech right uh presentation skills that's a huge thing yeah. uh, which which I was, I was really grateful for over here i'm sure you can testify with me that university of ghana league on a typical student would make a presentation maybe three four times and even that the group presentation. Some yes. someone can take the mic and come and see conclusion, and then <laughs> show the mic and that's it. Yeah, that's that's as little as people. You'd be put in groups of people with about about twenty people, twenty members in a group, and only like two or three people are doing the work. Some somebody I, I was doing a project. Somebody just did proofreading for a whole project, and that was the work that he did. So yeah, like mm-hmm. as done as part, and you all get the same marks. No, you wouldn't have that here. You would have it such a way that you are put into smaller groups, groups of three, four. So if there's a presentation of about 30 minutes and there's no chance that no, nobody, someone in that group would then present, right? So everybody will be presenting for about 10 minutes and you can't talk anyhow. You have to actually know your stuff during that period, right? So it just helped um, during my MBA I mean, had lots of presentation, group presentations, personal presentations, and if not for anything, it boosts your confidence. It boosts your 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 openness. Helps you to be more open. It helps you to contribute more, right? So basically, the advice that I'll give to anyone I'm wanting to pursue their education outside is to come with an open mind. Come come outside with an open mind. Be ready to learn. 
um, try not to be shy because you learn a lot from contributing. You learn a lot from volunteering to do stuff. You learn a lot from all of that and try to um, put aside the, the chain pool, put aside the memorization kind of education you're used to and be ready to learn and analyze. And I think um, you'd have a really fun time. Yeah, that, that, those, those are really um, very valid points. I mean, I have a similar experience. And we both did our undergraduate in Ghana. Do you think that if we had done our master's, it would be different? Do you think master's would have been different from our experience as undergraduates? Master's in Ghana. Yeah, master's in Ghana. <laughs> uh, to be honest, I do not think so. Okay. Um, I, I don't think so. I feel like it may have been slightly different just because... Um, for masters, the class sizes tend to be a bit smaller, right? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. um, yeah, that may have helped. I mean, it, it may have been a little better, but I must say, if you, you had compared it to um, education outside, it would still have been vast because I know quite quite a handful of people who basically for their thesis and their masters, they just either their own thesis that they they refreshed or they redid or they'll pick someone's thesis and then just do it for them. And there's a lot of people um, doing theses for other people, like be, people mm. getting paid to do theses for other people and so on and so forth. So I must say that, um, yeah, I, th I feel like there would have been a difference, but I, I think it's just the whole um, view of the system in general. It's just the whole feel around the system, just the way things are done, the way that things are structured. I feel like um, it's just still way more practical if, if you were to do it outside. So I think it's something that we need to learn um, and, and, and gain and work on to improve our educational system. That's what I think. And, and it's true. I mean, I also had a similar experience where just about nine or ten in my class for the master's program. And yeah. I was also, I mean, I was studying counseling and therapy. So we had the opportunity to even do clinicals. And when you do presentations on your cases, I mean, mm -hmm. they ask you, it's like, it's about you. And they can yeah. basically, like, spend time on you. So you are yeah. well prepared. You don't yeah. have to chew and pour because you realize exactly. that the questions are not about theories. The question mm -hmm. about the cases that you have experienced on your clinical placements. So that's yeah. great. And I'm just, because I did psychology at undergrad and we didn't, yeah. well, let's just say we, that was the foundation. So we'll take it like that. <laughs> <the foundation. laughs> okay. All right. So moving on, you, you shared with us at the beginning of the interview that you are currently working. Could you take us through the process of, like, as a graduate, looking for a job? How did you get a job? What are some of the key points that people should look out for when looking for a job? And I know that it would definitely be specific to your, your environment, which is fine. Yeah, of course. I think um, Canada generally has um, a low unemployment rate. Um, the last I checked, uh, the unemployment rate was around 9%. Uh, and that was even because of the COVID period. So it's usually quite slower, right? So um, I would say in general, it's, I, I wouldn't say it's easy. I don't think it's easy getting a job anywhere, but um, I think it's relatively easy compared to other places, right? So, but um, in my case, how I, 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 I looked, how I got my job. So basically, I was blessed enough to have um, a, a very good graduate uh, placement system more or less. So we had uh, a, a manager who was in charge of uh, recruitment, right? So he helped us, basically helped us, basically 
um, chain up our resumes and we had lots of seminars and stuff about resumes and or CVs, right? And I think that's that's one of the most important things when it comes to job applications. It's it speaks a lot about you. It's 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 very key um, to have a resume that is succinct, straight to the point, um, and 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 touches on all the, the the key things. So, for instance, different countries have their different cultures in terms of this, but then um, in Canada, resumes are basically um, advised usually to be geared towards um, more of what you've achieved as against um, mere rules or what you did or like what your duties were, right? So for instance, I'll say that, okay, let's say I was an accountant in uh, University of Ghana, um, let's say I was, I was um, helping with payroll, I was um, doing general entries, etc. So that's the traditional one, right? But as against here where you would have it more or less like achievement based. So for instance, during my time as an accountant in University of Ghana, I managed to uh, bring in a new process which helped us to improve our payroll or I managed to um, help with uh, 100 um, entries which improved our process, like just stuff like that, which more or less like bullet points to say that, okay, so if you see something like this, oh, you help improve, bring a new process, right? So we are looking for someone who would be able to help us like start a new system, we want to change our accounting system, we want to change our system that we are using. This is someone who might be good for the job, right? So um, basically our resumes here are more um, achievements based and um, you should work on having it more concise and precise, um, as concise and precise as possible. It's not about the length of resumes because again, similar to the personal statements, if you have something that is too bulky, boring, generic, um, it may just be thrown away in the pile. And so that's one thing, the resumes. Another thing is, Cover letters. Cover letters are extremely important. Uh, our recruitment team advised that any application that we make, you add a cover letter, whether they ask for it or not, right? So, again, similar to the personal statements, resumes, you can have a hundred people who have an MBA, who have an undergrad in business, who have accounting experience, all of that. But your cover letter would tell them about you, similar to the personal statement, tell them about you. Maybe they want someone who um, would be ambitious. Maybe they want someone who would offering um, support, someone who would be bringing suggestions and bringing up new ideas and stuff like that. It's your, it's your cover letter that would speak about you and what makes you different from the next person, right? So um, that's a good thing to really work on. Go online, um, watch workshops, watch YouTube videos on how to um, basically have the best cover letter and stuff like that. And I'm also building networks. I, I cannot emphasize that enough. It's very important to uh, know the right people in class when you go to school. Just keep networks up because keep friends, get their LinkedIn con uh, LinkedIn uh, profile uh, links and all of that. Like connect with people, have like um, an informational interview just to talk to people. Oh, let's say you are interested in um, doing uh, banking, right? So you look up, uh, you go on LinkedIn, let's say you can look up someone who went to the university that you went to and then who is currently working in one of the top banks. Let's say that, oh, hi. 
Uh, my name is William blah blah blah. I'm doing my SFU, uh, my my uh, degree currently in SFU, and then I like to talk to you about the industry. Yeah, I had a few of those. Like mm. more often than not, they would they would be open to um, helping. Not only does it help you with getting a job later on, because you if you create the right impression, they can think of you, and if there's anything that they can link you up with, they would help you. But it also helps you yourself figure out if that is what you really want to do because mm -hmm. obviously you ask them what their day work lives are yeah. or how a typical day in work is and if it's something that you feel like you, you, you would have wanted but then by hearing from someone who's actually there you might actually change your mind and um, yeah and then also um, so in my personal case I think with the um, job application it was my first job that I got was actually through a link that our recruitment director sent yeah. and basically he asked us to um, follow the link send our uh, cover letter and resume to the link and then forward it to him and so I mean all that I'll say it's, it's part of networks right so yeah. all those things they, they, they push in the door they, they more or less give you um, the first step give you that first step most of these would only get you the interview. If you go to the interview and you flop, if you would say that, that one is up to you. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So it's 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 really um, down to you to make sure that you can be spoon fed and just given a job, no matter your qualifications. But you really need to work on your interviewing skills and all of that. Uh, make sure that you, you you prep very well. Make sure that you know what you're about, right? So that leads me to my last point here. Prep for interviews is very important uh, make sure that you um, research into the company um, research into the kind of role that you'll be doing what they would expect you to know and look into some of the possible questions um, that they may ask you and then finally I'll say apply 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 and never give up I before I got my first job, I must have sent in about 200 applications. I, wow. I wouldn't like to. Yeah, I just go on LinkedIn one day. Sometimes I'll just I'll just spam send them, right? Sometimes I wouldn't necessarily get time to do a cover letter for each one. But just sending them in based on your LinkedIn resume, um, just sending them in. I mean, it, it, it's a lower chance of uh, being seen, but at least you've done that, right? Because you might be busy with doing other things. Just every day tell yourself, okay, I'm going to send in like uh, 10 applications, right? Uh, so ideally, but ideally, if you have the time, do a cover letter for each of them. Even if it's maybe uh, two applications in a day, have a cover letter for each of them. Look up the company, research the company, and then um, write... Um, on them right write the the cover letter based on what you see on the company and all of that to make sure you have a fine-tuned cover letter for each of them right so at the end of the day by sending several applications you definitely get some traction and, and you get the job that um you want so yeah that's what i would say about the job market. well these are helpful tips and you can't get this anywhere except the link <laughs> platform so i'm chatting with william budu and william just gave us lots and lots of tips about looking for a job in Canada and we are so grateful. So now that you are working and you've had um, an experience, you had an experience working in Ghana, you are currently working, what do you think about the work culture? So the work culture is, is something that, yeah, it was definitely a shock for me for my first job. My first job um, was at Seed Natural One, so it's a, um, a company that uh, basically sells a natural 
products with diffusers and other stuff like that. And there was also a similar accounting role, more or less like an accounts payable entry level role, right? So that was my first job. And yeah, I was just listening to a while ago your 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 interview with Eddie and talking about the first name basis thing. Yeah, definitely. I think it's something that would hit everybody. Um, okay. Basically, addressing. Yes, yes, in Canada. The first name basis thing was a big thing for me, even in class and then um, at the workplace, right? And, you know, there's, there's, there's something called power distance. I don't know if you've heard of it, where um, it talks about uh, basically the, the, the tendency of, let's say, a, a young person in the 20s um, to give someone in their 50s that kind of, I wouldn't say, reverence and Basically, they, they yeah, of course, they wouldn't want to um, call them by the first name. Um, you would have to use the title, of course. It's almost like a, um, a very a top-down approach kind of thing where you have a boss. Your boss is maybe 20 years older than you, and so it's more or less like whatever they say goes, right? You have no say, uh, no open-door policy, that kind of thing. So it, was, it, it, it took a while for me to... I get accustomed to being able to speak to my supervisor freely, of course, not with disrespect, but freely being able to, having your voice heard, right? Um, I don't know, but a lot of places that, uh, well, where I worked, worked at before, like you hardly get your voice heard. It's more or less like doing what you're expected to do, being a cog in the wheel, do your job, and then you go home, right? But over here, people are expecting that, oh, you don't just sit here and do whatever I tell them. You actually try to be analytical, challenge them actually, say that, oh, I think that this thing, we shouldn't be doing it this way. Can we try it uh, this way? Because I think it will save us time. It would be faster. It would um, be more efficient or something like that. So basically one thing I would say is that they expect us to be over here, expected to be open-minded, expected to uh, uh, be able to contribute, expected to be innovative, basically. Um, and of course, the, the rapport between boss and subordinates um, it's supposed to be casual, right? Casual, just be, feel free to say hi to them, talk to them, friendly, friendly, and a friendly basis. And I mean, suggest anything that you want, right? So it's much more open, I, I must say, and then it's much more innovative. Yeah. You know, let me just chip in this funny thing. I don't know if it's, you know, peculiar to Ghanaians, but so my mm-hmm. boss in the UK, every time like I have to go to her office, I kind of knock. And she yeah. never understood, like, why yeah. you just, like, yeah. and say, can I come in, mm-hmm. are you free? Yeah. And then, yeah. mm-hmm. and she would say, McKay, don't knock. But I will come <laughs> back and forget myself <laughs> and knock again. I, I was wondering what was wrong with knocking. But then, as I listened to people more and more, I realized that, okay, maybe it's peculiar to our culture, you know. And mm-hmm. she, one, she's older than me, two, she's the boss. Yeah. And yeah. even though her office is opened and like it's glass so you can see through and everything, I just still feel like I need to knock. You know, that mm-hmm. thing, yeah. like, oh, sure, it's best, sort of. <laughs> to be honest, I'm still not used to that. I still knock. We're not alone. Like, yeah, yeah it's yeah, it's one of those things. But at least the first name basis thing, I think I'm used to it now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. That's, that's an interesting one. Enough of the academic stuff. Now let's move on more to, you know, let's say the social aspects. The social mm-hmm. aspects. Yeah. So, 
um let's start with did you have any culture shocks when you got to canada aside well you've kind of mentioned a few about you know the yeah. first name basis and all mm-hmm. that. but aside mm-hmm. that in terms of school itself did you have any yeah i had, I had a bit um just just a general culture over here right um quite different of course in terms of sense of humor and stuff like that the people had different sense of humor like people would be happy about things that and, and i noticed that like people here tend to be like very social want to be about like go here go there kind of thing mm. about like lots of social activities like yeah. drinking and stuff like that and that's what is fun for them right and so i think that was a big thing for me i, I would say that the only fun that they regarded was going out uh, drinking usually and i think that was an issue for me because you couldn't really find so much fun activities to do um without having to go out to their friends and and drink and personally I, i'm not someone who really advocates for that and so that was one thing for me having to like find friends who are not necessarily up for like going out drinking and who just want to do normal activities right and then i think generally um the culture is one that's like um encourages a lot of openness and mm. um, i think it's 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 generally more more of an extrovert kind of culture that has against like ghana what i'm used to right so it's it's more or less like um i would say sometimes people in 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 some situations people are forced to um come out of their shell to so to say and be more of an extrovert be more loud even if that's not what you're used to right so i think some of those things were uh, some of the cultural shocks that i had in of course um the the, the i miss Ghanaian food a lot <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what's your favorite there. Ghanaian dish <laughs> Oh, what's my favorite? Plenty, I can't choose. Hey, <laughs> I, okay, I, I love Wachi. I love Wachi. Wachi has to be there. When I get to Ghana, that's like the first meal. I, okay. I look for Wachi. And I'll say, uh, I like Red Red as well. I, like, red, I love red. my All Red right. Red. Okay. So to our international but, listeners, yeah. go and find out what Red Red is and Wachi <laughs> is. That's your assignment. <laughs> Yeah. So, what about keeping like um, friends and family? Do you think you've 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 been able to sustain your relationships, not um, just like personal in terms of like love, romantic relationship, but family, friends? Do you feel like you still have like your friends? You still vibe, you know, with a long distance? Mm-hmm. How and also as you answer that, also answer um, how you were able to keep your some of the things you did to keep the romantic relationship going because I know you mm-hmm. had one. So yeah. <laughs> And have one. And have one. Sorry. Yes. Yes. Thank you for the correction. And have one. No okay. As you were saying. Really hard to get um um to make actual friends. Uh, but I actually did um in my class I I I was drawn to a group of um um Latino uh, men uh, from various countries from Brazil, Mexico um ecuador and colombia so I, I did manage to get a group of friends so i wasn't totally alone and i did manage to um get people who are like-minded um who would um, um, accept you for who you are and basically able to have fun activities um as you would probably do back at home so i had a group of friends so i wasn't um totally alone um there was also church also helped a lot i i, I found a a church um, close by um, in one of the cities called Surrey. A church of Pentecost actually has a branch here. Oh, 
And so there's a, a nice community of about 200 Ghanaians where um, I was oh, able to good. fellowship with, with them as well. So that was very good. And so, um, yeah, I wouldn't spend my Christmases alone, for instance, because mm. there would always be something, probably a church activity, a Christmas party here and there. And so that really helped me in terms of social life. I, I must say that I didn't go through so much of a, a depression state where I felt like I was missing everybody. And yeah, it's down to relationship, right? Okay, so yeah. I should have said I'm, I'm a married man. Um, I got recently married. Recently married. Yes, I got married in December of last year. Um, my wife is called Esther. And we got married um, last year after dating for about um, two years, right? So, funny enough, that almost more or less coincided with my master's period and uh, my f- first few um, years in Canada. So, yes, we started um, dating in Canada whilst I was here. And um, we didn't know each other um, because we went to the same elementary school before, but um, we just managed to... I don't know, get some vibe while I was here. So managing that relationship, I'll say, over the past few years, if anyone said to you that it was easy, trust me, uh, it's probably a lie. Or they're they're trying to hide something from you. It's it's really difficult and it takes a lot of discipline. Uh, But for me, what I would say is that... um, uh, the most important things in it were um, is, is or is um, trust, right? Um, you need to really trust your partner to be able to um, have this. Like, you need to trust that, oh, the partner says, oh, I'm, I'm going some, I'm just going for some, I'm going to the mall to do this or this. People will be like, um, or some, you, you could have in your mind that, oh, is she really going there? What if she's going out with this particular guy to this mm-hmm. place that I don't know of? You can really trust the person, right? Yeah. So if you don't really trust your spouse, then it's really not going to work. Also, uh, communication is key, especially because of there's no physical contact in this case, right? So mm-hmm. you, you know the person, you, you can know the person, person like the back of your hand even though we are not together, right? How, how was I so sure about getting married after knowing the person for just about two years or knowing the person very well for just about two years? And I tell the person that um, I believe that communication is not about the length of time spent. It's about the quality of time spent within yeah. the, the period of time we're talking about. So you can know someone for 10 years, but your, your relationship is still on a surface level because you don't really, really, really know the person. You haven't had conversations about the way the person thinks or the way that what the person wants to do, do in future, how the person reacts to certain situations because the quality of your communication is just surface level and you don't really have that. So uh, basically keeping that uh, communication constant. And of course, there was a time difference. So uh, on a typical day of mine, when I wake up, let's say, I usually wake up at 6 a.m. So uh, my wife now would have would be up and so um, I'd have my quiet time, I'd say hi to her and all of that. And so that's how my day would start. So it's basically just getting ready for class, just texting with her, constant texting with her, um, go for class, doing the breaks, probably give her a phone call. So basically my life was about... Um, just texting with her, giving her a phone call when I could and just having... 
fitting in as much time as I could as possible because yeah. I didn't share, but aside my studies in school, I was also working on the side and right. Mm-hmm. So it was a really tough time for me. But I think um, if you really, really desire something, if you're really, really looking for something to work, you would make time for it. So yeah. um, I must say that that was another thing to, to manage a long distance relationship. Um, but um, I think it's really about commitment and then and yeah. staying true to it. So it's it's really been interesting and it's been nice. And um, I, I I must say though that um, I have been in a long distance relationship before this, and so um, I mean I, I feel like um, a, a lot of things happen for a reason. Right? Everything happens for a reason, and I feel like that gave me the experience in it. So that um, not to say it wasn't hard, but it wasn't as hard as it should have been. Um, so um, it really helped me to um, know about the nuances of it and all of that. But yeah, it's, it's been a really blissful relationships with people back home. Yeah. Um, yeah, with that, uh, to be honest, you'd lose a lot of friends. Um, it's hard to... It's hard to... <laughs> <laughs> but that's the truth. You'd, you'd lose a lot of friends. It's hard to... The time they're friends alone is all. Because yeah. a lot of times I see a message and like, oh, I'll reply before I knew it. I'm in class or something like, and I don't want to end up. So, so people will get mad at you. People will say, "Oh, you are brown. You are brown. You are brown. You are brown," and then you lose friends. You lose a lot of friends, to be honest. But I feel like it's also a way of sort of filtering your friends, right? Those who really, really matter to you, those who feel that you really matter to them, they keep in touch, and you would also make an effort to keep in touch with them. And so, yeah, I still have a handful of um, very close friends from back home. Of course, we don't talk as often as we would have if I were there, but there's always a time to always always have it in mind, to, oh, I haven't talked to this guy. At least call them, even if it's once a month, give them a call. Yeah. I mean, have a quality yeah. conversation. Exactly, you know? <laughs> have a quality conversation. Yeah. And, and then that that one call in the month, it, trust me, you, you would keep the, your your relationship going. So, um, yes, I must say it's hard, but it, it, it can be done. Oh, okay. Thank you so much um, for such a power-packed conversation. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time, William. We are very, very grateful. Welcome. And Thank just you. to wrap up, three short things, three short final words. Okay. So these short things, I'll say that um, first thing would be a commitment and perseverance, right? Um, even in the application process, um, there may be times when you may get rejections, even because even while you're applying for school, you may get visa rejections and you have to apply again. You may have to even apply for the schools over and over again. And even in school, you may feel that you are struggling, you may feel like giving up because you are far away from home, you may go through depression. But remember that all these are stages and they would pass. And at the end of the day, you would come to um, see the benefits of the big step that you took. So always be committed. And even in your long-distance relationships, always be committed and, and, and persevere and know that um Definitely, there's light at the end of the tunnel, and one day you'll be able to be at the same place at the same time. So, just be committed, right? And just stay true to yourself, right? Do not look at um, conforming to 
um, 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 and the things that people do uh, just to fit into society. Be yourself. That is one thing that I would have told my myself when I was starting my um, education. Yeah, there are some things that I did that I wasn't proud of, and I wish that I'd stayed true to myself and stuck to my roots, stuck to my uh, principles, and be yourself. When you are yourself, you'd attract the people who like you for who you are and you'd be able to succeed anyway. And then the last thing I'd say is that you should be open-minded, be ready to adjust. It sounds like a contradiction to the last point that I made, but it's not, right? Be ready to adjust to um, the new things that life abroad will bring you. Be ready to adjust to having to work an extra job just to make ends meet. Be ready to adjust to the different cultures. To be ready to adjust to being more practical or reading more than you would have done back home. So I believe that if you have all these three things um, in mind, um, you'll be able to succeed outside. So. Thank you very much. And Thank you so much. Thank you. So one other thing that I pick out of my conversation with William is about having that community that you can rely on. I mean, he mentioned that um, when it comes to Christmases and events, there was always a place to go. Um, the link platform is geared towards international students' well-being. So to end it all, I would advise that always have that community. Create for yourself that community that you can always um, use as a cushion but as just, you are using a community as a cushion also be willing to cushion someone thank you so much for mm -hmm. staying tuned with us my name is Makafui Otrichum and it has been the linked platform bye bye <laughs>